welcome to the Startup Grind Charleston Podcast. We have a special episode today, which is the audio from one of our most popular events that we've ever had. Recently, we hosted Greer Allen, CEO of Boomtown, a staple of the Charleston tech community. Boomtown is an established and growing SaaS company that connects millions of home buyers and sellers with its extensive network of real estate professionals. Boomtown may look like an overnight success to some, but our chapter director, Jeremy Berman, interviews Greer and they pull back the curtains on Boomtown's origins. They discuss everything from taking out a second home mortgage to product launches, all the way to scaling and building a company culture. Before we dive in, this episode of the Startup Grind Charleston podcast is brought to you by Snagajob, a technology company providing an end-to-end platform of technology and workforce management solutions. Snagajob is one of the leading tech companies in our community, providing quality solutions and an amazing work culture. You can learn more about Snagajob at snagajob.com or access the links provided in the episode description. Enjoy the episode and be sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Welcome to the Startup Grind. It was a year in the making. A year in the making, but yes. here we are. Um, so Greer and I had an opportunity to sit down a few weeks ago, and I got to hear a little bit about what he's going to talk about today. And sometimes I start these events really going all the way back. But with you, I just want to dive right into it. We've got a lot Let's of good it. things to cover. So let's start with what was the initial idea for Slant Media, and why did you start that company? Okay, so uh, so Slant Media was a company that I started prior to Boomtown. So, two years. Um, this is 2004. This is two years after I graduated from college. Clemson, Go Tigers national championship. Had to, had to drop that. Thank you. Um, but uh, so Slant Media was a digital marketing company, so a digital advertising agency. And so we uh, we started that in 2004. I started that with a buddy of mine from college. And, um, and, you know, just like everything, I, I think this is probably the most appropriately named event ever, uh, you know, the startup grind. Um, those of you that are in it uh, know what I'm talking about. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a hell of a grind um, to start up a new business. So, so we started that in 2004, like I said, and we worked with various different companies. So it wasn't real estate specific. We had real estate customers, but local, regional, uh, you know, some of the national scale type of customers. And what so, was the initial idea? So the initial idea for, for, for Slant Media was to, you know, to, you know, to help customers, local, regional businesses to grow their business using the internet. Okay, so it was a services business? It was, a, it was very much a services business. Um, why did you spin Slant down? So, correction, Slant is still going strong. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so. What so, happened with Slant Media? So, so during the two years I was with Slant Media, I really, I really enjoyed the people that I worked with, um, and that was part of what kept me there uh, for the two years I was there. But one of the things that I realized when I was at Slant Media is, you know, as a as a as a strictly service business without a product, um, it was really hard to make a major impact um, at a national or grander scale. Uh, without focusing your energy and efforts um, on something very specific, and and uh, real estate was always a passion of mine, which is why you know you know why Boomtown exists. 
Um, but you know, at that point, you know, we were doing e-commerce websites, we were doing real estate websites, we were doing all kinds of different things, and we were always starting over from scratch. And when we got to the end of that project, uh, you know, the client had you know so much budget. We got to the end of that project, and and we really didn't have a chance to really you know continue on that path with our customer to you know to continue to iterate on something and 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 make it better and better or even see the results of, of what we had done so from there what did you decide was going to be your next step so in february 2006 made a made a pretty big move um you know slant was still going um you know it was obvious that that you know the vision for where where we were going with Slant didn't really align with where I wanted to necessarily go in the future, and uh, and I made the difficult decision to split with Slant. Um, and you know, there's a fraternity brother of mine, but but it was a it was an amicable split. They actually helped create my first logo, um, and so so in those in those early days, you know, it was it was you know I was back to just me, you know, February 2006 was yeah. was just me, and and all I knew was. I wanted to do something in real estate. I wanted to create a product that could scale nationwide um, or or bigger, and uh, and I didn't have really any clue what that product was going to be. So how did you under, how did you figure out what to build first? So um, so when I started when I started Sendeo Interactive, which was the entity that is now Boomtown. Um, so that was a consulting company, and we worked with, or I, you know, we meaning I, worked with residential real estate companies. My background um, was computer science, so, you know, what I was good at was actually creating software, and, and I was working with Carolina One Real Estate here locally, and a couple of other large residential brokerages, and, uh, and, and really we didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted to build. Um, we actually hired a couple of people in Costa Rica. Um, to to work and, and help develop some of the technology that we were trying to develop for some of the marketing departments of these large residential real estate companies that we were that I was working with at the time, uh, which didn't end well, by the way. Um, but uh, I found uh, our co-founder uh, Cooper Bain, and this is about three months in, and uh, and it was you know he had a skill set that was that was. Uh, you know, kind of complementary to what, what my skill set was. He was a, a user experience designer, and back in 2006, that was kind of a, a new buzzword that was that was going around. And so, when I found Coop, um, how did you find him? So, found him on on a Google search. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, and he was one of two results that popped up for user experience design, Charleston, South Carolina. I mean, <laughs> it was early early days. So. So anyway, so I found Coop and, and immediately when I started looking at his work, I realized that he understood what design meant beyond just making something look beautiful. He understood how to engage uh, the, the target audience. He had the empathy for the user that really is necessary to, to create a great product experience. So, um, so I called Coop and I was like, listen, are you looking for some work? Because he had been, he had started a company you know, similar to mine. He was doing consulting, doing websites. Had been through a number of various startups, and and Coop was, uh, you know, he came in and and you know he's taller than I am, so he was like hitting my hitting his head. We were at this old uh, the Faber House on uh, uh, just a very old building with a spiral staircase, like knocking his head on the t on the stairs above, 
And uh, anyway, so we, we had a meeting planned for about 30 minutes and that meeting went four hours long. And, uh, and immediately during that meeting, I realized that not only did Coop have a skill set that I was looking for, um, but he had a vision and, uh, and, and values that match what, what uh, and, and kind of a drive and a hunger for, for exactly what, what we want, what I wanted to do with the business. What was that initial, I, what was the initial plan with Coop? Was it we're going to go build a really big company or we're just going to hack around and see if we can get something that sticks? What was that next step after you decided to work together? We spent an entire year. Um, we, we knew that real estate, I remember, I remember this because we were trying to figure out where to put our business cards. Um, and so, so we, at the time where we were trying to print up our business cards, we were like, okay, what, you know, where is our focus going to be? And it's real estate and technology. So we put real estate technology on the bottom of the business card and we knew that we wanted to build a product. Um, but we just, we just didn't know what that was. So we knew that we needed to spend a significant amount of time researching the industry to understand where, like where the pain points were and what we could use, what our skill, what we could use with our skill sets to solve that problem. What are you doing to make money for that year while you're trying to find your way with that company? Yeah, so, so we had some consulting projects, but it was, you know, it would be like two thousand dollars for, you know, for, you know, three months of Cooper Nice Talk. Um, so not a very lucrative operation. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to get under the hood of our of our prospective customers and understand their business and uh, and and really they were they were they were essentially paying us to let us come in and and pepper them with questions. And, uh, and so there wasn't a lot of money being made at that point in time. Um, we didn't have any, obviously, financial backing because we really didn't even have a concept for our product. Um, we were really just researching um, at the time. And so this was 2006, you know, early 2006 into 2007. And Cooper and I both happened to just, happened to have purchased our own home. So, I bought my home in 2004. Um, Cooper bought his home probably 2001, I think. And, uh, and, and so in order to fund the, the continued growth of the business or continued journey for where we wanted to go, we had to take out second mortgages on our homes. And that's, that's what we did. So Describe that process. Is that like uh, an easy decision? Are you guys like, we don't even know what we're building. We're going to find it. Like what, talk us through. Why, how you got to that decision, like that's the way to go. So um, I'll, I'll just, I'll put this out there. Don't do this if you're married and have kids. Um, so I would not do this again if, if I was in the situation I am in today with, with two boys and a beautiful wife. But at the time, uh, you know, we, Cooper had just, just got married and, uh, and I wasn't married and so so it's, it seemed like a good idea, you know, it seemed like a, a risk worth taking to, to really go down this path. You know, the, you know, the entrepreneurial drive that I knew that we both had, uh, the alignment in terms of the vision and the values felt really, really good. The focus on real estate, which we were both passionate about, felt great. And so we just, we just went for it. The, the conviction is admirable. I think one of the defining qualities of you as an entrepreneur is your conviction to just keep moving forward and to not worry about all the implications. Um, so after you took that loan, what was that first year trying to find product market fit and trying to get to a point where you can sell a product? 
talk through what that was like. Was it just research you on the internet? Are you talking to customers? Are you building stuff? Are you testing? What are you doing? So what we were doing, we we were we we built some things, and so 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 we had a couple of projects, and and this is before. I mean, mind you, I mean, the 2006 uh, was a great year for real estate. Uh, 2007 and 8, not so much. Uh, so 2006 was a year where you know where you know we had these consulting clients, and the, and you know we we keyed in on a couple of places where. We felt like, yeah, th this is an opportunity. This is this is some technology we could build, and uh, and that's when we realized we you know we we fired the guys in 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 uh, down in Costa Rica uh, because it just it just wasn't working out with them, and and we were lucky enough to find you know who I consider our you know third co-founder, um, you know uh, Jason Finneyfrock, and and Jason was uh, you know another developer, and and he came up that was we you know. Yeah, I can't believe he came to work for us, but I think he saw what we were seeing, you know. And and what, uh, what were you seeing? Like, what's the problem you're starting to pinpoint at this point? You know, we're starting to pinpoint the fact that you know that our customers at this, or our consulting clients at this point in time, were these large, uh, you know, you know, market-dominating residential real estate companies, and and you know, local and regional companies, and. And they were spending about you know three hundred dollars a month on on website dig, you know website digital advertising all of that all of it at the time but ninety percent of home buyers were starting their home search on the internet and so there that was the major gap that we saw yeah. and so we knew that we needed to figure out the right solution to you know to you know, you know to capitalize on that opportunity but uh, and I think we all saw it early on but we we still did need to make some money you know we needed to make at least frocks payroll and uh, and we, we were paying our own mortgages off with with the second mortgage so it was it was a you know it's an interesting time yeah so when we were talking we were saying a lot of companies today they practice this lean startup movement where they put a product in the market where they know it's not perfect so that they can get feedback and iterate quickly it sounds like you almost took an opposite approach, where you spent a year researching and building a really quality product. Was that intentional, or that was something that just occurred based on the circumstance? Yeah, I think that's a result of uh, of Cooper and I being really uh, bullheaded, um, and uh, and and really you know wanting to get out of where we were, which was we would take a project um, at the service business, Slam Media, wherever we were, and we only had. You know, we had very limited resources from that customer to to actually build a product, and limited amount of time. We had a you know, you know we had a lot of these constraints we had to work within, and we wanted to build something that was an amazing experience. And and you know, you'll see our core values on the wall over there. Creating an amazing experience is is really something that 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 Cooper and I both believed in from the very beginning. And and that really drove us away from this this you know you know this lean startup you know MVP type of mentality. We wanted to build something that was you know out of the gate gonna gonna really be head and shoulders above what what the competition had yeah. out there. How did your release go? Did you nail it, or was there some learning along the way after you launched? Yeah. I, I, I'd say we nailed it um, out of the gate. For for those that were there, there might just be uh, frock in the room that remembers it. But you know, we had this three-column layout. And, you know, we had the search bar over here, and, and the map or the search results in the middle, and, and this over here. And it, it was responsive design before responsive design was a thing. Yeah. We didn't know 
you know, responsive design, design didn't exist, but we wanted to fit all the different size monitors. And so, so we created this consumer home search experience that was very unique and, uh, and based on all of that research that we did. And, and it, took us a, it took us a year and you know, a year and a half to build it, you yeah. know? And so it was, it was um, you know, for us, it turned out to be, uh, it turned out to be the right way to go um, because it made a big splash in the industry. And what year is this? This was mid-2008. Okay, put yourself back in your shoes at 2008. Give us like the elevator pitch for that initial product. Yeah, so, so <laughs> the, idea, uh, the idea generated from, from the fact that we, we understood that, that you know, these large residential real estate brokers that we were consulting with, they had, they had, the, you know, they had billboards out there that were driving people to their website, but this website wasn't geared around you know, generating opportunities for real estate agents. And once the opportunities were actually generated, um, there was not, there was no system to be able to manage all of that. So I talk about this, this amazing product that we built out of the gate. It was just the consumer part of what we do. And so, so you know, we had a very, very slim down CRM system that was just basically a list of the leads that they came, that had come in and the last time they came on the website. And so, so I guess, um, Going back to the question, what was the question? What was that initial elevator pitch? So the initial elevator pitch was, listen, you know, we, you know, we've got this amazing consumer experience that competes with, you know, all of the portals out there in terms of the, in terms of the, you know, the user experience, and 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 we're building, we're in the process of building this amazing system on the back end where all of your agents are going to be able to manage all of their contacts. We're going to have marketing automation that's going to keep, continue to drive them and engage them you know, without your agents having to do a thing. And also, it's going to give your, your, you as the broker, you as the team leader of these agents, the, uh, you know, a system to be able to hold your agents accountable to a, a standard of customer service that, that you expect out of them. Yeah, so how did, how did two developers and designers start selling this thing? How are you getting people to pay for it? How do you know what to charge? What's yeah. going on there? Yeah. So, <laughs> this is where DK comes into the conversation. <laughs> So, uh, so this is kind of an interesting and funny story. So another one of our core values is, is spread laughter and have fun. Um, so, so David Kim uh, worked at a company called, uh, David, raise your hand. There he is. So, so David Kim worked at a company called Home Game. It was on the West Coast in Emeryville, uh, California in the Bay Area. And what, what happened is we called them and we were like, listen, we're building this product. They had a product that actually, you know, there was a, a website. And it was this website that you'd, you'd click on a map and then you'd click on a city and then it would take you to a real estate website. And what we were doing is we were creating real estate websites for our customers. And so we were like, well, when we're ready to launch, we're not gonna have the resources to actually do digital advertising on behalf of our customers. This is a perfect fit for us to, to you know, launch with a partner um, to you know to to start to fill our pipeline. So, so David Kim um, had a colleague there that we had been in touch with for a while, and and that colleague was another sales rep at, in Emeryville um, at HomeGain, and he continuously followed up with us. We showed him some of our screen models. These, this is the first guys that we really showed our product to ever um, as we were developing it. 
and uh, and he had you know he was like this company's going to go somewhere this company's going to do you know something amazing and they were incentivized by keeping customers on so they sold they sold web traffic they sold they sold visitors to real estate websites and if they could keep a client on for more than three months then they got this major spiff in terms of their in terms of their uh, um, in terms of their sales uh, compensation and so so you know what they saw was an opportunity to link us up to you know to their customers that were spending money with them and so they really became the the major sales channel we didn't have a formal partnership arrangement i don't even know who the ceo's name was we just had a partnership with david kim david yim and and a couple of the other reps that were selling and so uh i remember like it was yesterday on, on the spread laughter and have fun part you know, you know, there was there was a final day. Like they were they were hounding us. They're sale they're aggressive sales guys, right? And so they're hounding us. Like, when are you going to finish your product? Please finish the product. We want we want to give you customers. And and then finally one day there, I was like, okay, I was like, we're ready to buy traffic for my brother's website. My brother was starting a brokerage at the same time, so we're ready to start buying some traffic, five hundred dollars a month, and send over the contract. It was a fax at the time, so so they faxed it on over. And or, or they, no, they sent they sent the contract over, and I was like, all right, let me check it out, and I and I sent them. It was April first, so it was April first, two thousand nine, uh, or two thousand seven, right? Yeah. So um, April Fool's Day, and and so I sent an email back and be like, and I was like, thanks guys, you know, y'all are at fifty cents per click to the website, but I just talked to Google and got a special deal at twenty five cents a click. <laughs> <laughs> and so like they were like you know this was this was you know just one of their colleagues was knew about the boomtown at that point in time and then i faxed faxed in the contract and said you know had this you know on the on the on the front page i had you know april fools you know let's get this partnership started <laughs> and and then so that's when i met all the other reps because it went around the office because you know tim Cross was freaking out <laughs> And so then I got to meet all these other reps that then began, you know, began selling our product hours. So was it just like lights on, we have traffic, we have business, or was it a slow build to train them and to teach them and all that? What was that, what was that like? They teed up the opportunities and, and, you know, I was splitting my day, you know, half the time I was, half the day I was writing code. Yeah. And then the other half of the day I was, you know, attempting to do my best at closing sales. Yeah. <laughs> so. I love it. Um, so at this point, do you feel confident that you're achieving product market fit, that you found the right product to sell to the market, or are they experiencing a lot of issues from their clients and you're trying to kind of iterate a little bit more? Where are you in terms of really getting the product right? At this yeah, point? The, is the issues hadn't started yet, but, um, but you know, that came with the scaling yeah. uh, part of it all. But, but no, I, you know, it, it was, you know, we felt very confident that we had product market fit okay. at that point in time. And, uh, and, and we knew that we, you know, had a roadmap ahead of us that we were just scratching the surface. And, and it's amazing today, I still feel like we're just scratching the surface on what we can do for this industry. That's awesome. So at that point, you, your co-founders, your team, are you even thinking or talking about raising money to really capture the market opportunity? We, or are you just heads down doing your thing? We could only handle what what you know what these guys started sending to us, and then another partnership opportunity. Like there was there's these coaching organizations within real estate, and so we started to you know you know start to spread you know the word started to spread within these coaching coaching organizations, and the coaches started calling us, and 
they started referring business to us and it just started just kind of coming in really, really fast. And, yeah. and that's when we knew we started, needed to start hiring people. Okay. So it was so profitable. You never thought about raising money because you're getting enough cash flow in where you're just trying to keep up. Right. Yeah. Not a bad problem to have. Not a bad problem. Okay. How much it is. How much, how much the product is? Yeah. yeah. How did you figure out pricing that initial, that initial product? Yeah, well, it started out at an early bird pricing. So we did an early bird pricing at $1,000 a month. Um, and then we went to thirteen fifty a month. And then we you know, eventually ended up at $1,500 a month. In a year contract. In a year contract. So, so these are real estate companies, guys. You know, in, in 2008, after they're, I mean, they're, they're losing their businesses. They're, they're, you know, there are so many businesses that are just going under. And in those early days, the sign of success was that these companies actually had their agents coming back into their office yeah. because there was no there was no opportunities to be had out there and most of them back in 2006 were relying on their sphere of influence which is a fancy word for past clients and referrals um, and just you know just the people that they knew in the community that all dried up completely yeah. after the market melted down and so you know we we came in as really the savior for these companies and and uh, and you know we just had our, our user conference we hosted our welcome party here and it's just it's 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 amazing to hear you know just the the stories that they have to tell that inspire the team here uh, you know to keep you know pushing as hard as we can because you know, bankruptcy, all these different things that are happening to these people in this period of time, bringing them out and, and helping them, you know, to, to live the lifestyles that they wanted to live. Yeah, so as you're building out the company, you're bringing in deals, what's that first, like, oh shit moment, I might be over my head, I don't really know how to handle this situation? Yeah, so when Coop's got like 90 folders, Coop's, our co-founder's got like 90 folders of like people in the process of launching, you know that that are all on his desk in their paper, and, and we don't have a CRM. Like we, you know, we're we're totally breaking all the rules for you know for you know for our you know we're we're selling CRM to our customers, and we don't even have one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I'm doing sales, and and you know you know your mind just goes crazy after doing too many sales calls, and I'm trying to code, and and Frock's trying to keep the system from from going down. Yeah, I mean that's that's when things got a little crazy, and and uh, and that's when the the focus really switched, uh, you know, from the the what uh, to the who. Yeah, what does that mean? So this was, you know, I'd say you know 2008, um, you know, when we launched the product, 2009, 2010, uh, you know, we were probably at you know 20, 30 employees by by that point in time. Uh, we were so fortunate to be able to get, you know, you know what I'd call, um, uh, you know, emerging talent, you know, within the company and and, uh, and 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 folks that were just you know kind of really getting started with their career. It was a very young company, and uh, and here we were, you know, in just massive hyper growth mode. Getting, you know, we were on the Inc. 500. You know, we were number nine in software one year and, and number, uh, you know. You know, we were in the Inc. 500, you know, three years running, and and we didn't really have any 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 what I'd call proven talent, yeah. and and uh, and and so what I mean by switching from what to who, you know, being uh, technical and engineering uh, in nature, and uh, and then getting involved with customers and sales, and you know, I loved you know helping the customers to succeed, you know, you know there was there was a there was a shift that was taking place that I felt like I was you know, behind 
um, in terms of bringing in the right talent to help us scale, and that was that proven talent. Um, and so, so we had, you know, we had great people. Um, you know, some that, you know, some that are, you know, still, you know, still doing amazing things at this company today. But we didn't have anybody that had really been through the hyper growth stage that we'd been that we were going through. And uh, and I feel like that's that's one of the mistakes that we made early on is is we should have hired and we should have found we should have put more focus on the who and, and now it's just blatantly obvious you know um, you know nowadays and I spend a ton of time on on talent and 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 trying to connect with people in the community that you know might not be a perfect fit for our company now but you know maybe down the road and uh, and and just you know. You know, taking extreme caution and, and, and consideration in terms of, you know, understanding what type of role we need at the C level, at the VP level, uh, to continue to scale the company. But you know, I didn't have that knowledge at that point in time. How about early on though? Like the first five, 10, 30 employees, you're again, you're a technical guy trying to figure out the CEO role. Yeah. What are some of the lessons learned in hiring those first 30 employees in terms of what type of people really do well in those positions? Right. And so, so you know, I think uh, you know, if, if you've got re guys have read you know a lot about you know entrepreneurship, they talk about those first 10 employees, right? Um, and those first 10 employees for us, um, you know, we 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 really nailed the mark on a lot of them. Um, some of them we didn't. And uh, anyways, you know, you. Know, at that point in time, it was it was pretty much all of us in a room, and and everybody you know knew what was going on because they heard the call that you were on like you know you know you know five feet away, and and communication wasn't an issue, and and really you know everybody was self-directed, everybody was driven in in a way that that you really you know everybody knew that their mission was this, but if they needed to be over here or over here or over here, then they were going to need to be there. They were going to have to do it. And so, so in the early days, it was more about finding these people that, that really believed and were passionate about what you were doing and, and could just go, you know? And, and, you know, quickly when we got to, you know, 25, 30, 40 employees, that, that all changed. Yeah. Because, you know, at that point in time, you know, you're, you know, you know Cooper and I weren't really involved as much in, in the hiring decisions. We, you know, we'd grow from 20 to 50 employees over the course of a year, and we couldn't be heavily involved in, in every single one of those hiring decisions. And I think one of the, one of the, one of the, um, one of the smartest things that we did at that point in time was, was, uh, you know, start thinking about culture because we had something special, and we wanted to make sure that we solidified that at that point in our growth. Um, so that you know, hiring decisions could you know could be made, and, and people decisions of you know who to who to invest into, you know, and, and who to you know who to move out of the organization. Um, it became clear through our core values, and so we created our core values when we were about a 30-person organization, and uh, and and we really truly do live by them. And, and I'm fortunate to have uh, a team here at Boomtown that. You know, everybody you know is the custodian, and and everybody feels that they are responsible for making sure that everybody that comes in this organization upholds those core values. Yeah, see, a lot of people in the room, the companies are just getting started, right? They're below the ten person right. mark. What would you recommend is the right time to start thinking about core values? You did it at thirty. Is that looking back the right decision? Would you have done it earlier, later? Uh, I would. You know, I would have done it earlier. 
I would have absolutely. I would have. I would have established a very clear mission uh, as as soon as I possibly could um, that everybody could grab onto, everybody could communicate, everybody just knew it at the tip of their tongue, and and also on the value side, um, you know, just making sure that you know when you're that small, like you can vet everybody. Your team can vet every single hire that comes to the door through group interviews or or individual interviews and. And those first 10 hires are so critical, um, they can really you know, set the course for where your company's gonna go. And, and I'd say that, you know, that defining those early on is, is, is absolutely critical um, because the people side of your business is the most important side. Fast forward a little bit. So you're 30 plus people, things are moving along, been bootstrapping the hell out of this company. Why did you decide to take uh, venture capital investment? So this is 2014. Um, so this is six years ago. Six six years in. Six years six years after we after we launched the product. Um, so we were in a position uh, where where you know you know we had a really a market leading position in the industry. Um, you know, we were, I think 2013 is the first time we actually really hired a, you know, what I, what I referred to earlier as proven talent. Uh, we hired a COO at, at you know, in, in 2013. We didn't have any other C-level executives in the, in the business. We had, you know, emerging talent. We had, you know, people that were passionate, but we didn't really have anybody that was, that was, uh, you know, that had been there, done that, had been through this, you know, massive scaling, you know, experience before, and uh, and you know, in 2013, we hired our COO. Uh, we realized, like, hey, you know, this is, you know, this is really, <laughs> we could use this earlier. Uh, number one, and number two, it's, you know, it was like, okay, you know, you know, how do we attract more talent? And uh, and that was one of the driving forces behind raising capital. Um, you know, we, you know, we were at a point, you know, in, in terms of scaling our company that, you know, that we had, you know, that we, you know, we, we could get a pretty great valuation for our business um, and, uh, and not lose a lot of, of, of ownership at that point in time. We could, we could maintain control of the business and raise, you know, a significant, we took, we, we raised $20 million. And, uh, and so that was, that was a that was a um, a trying time. I mean, it was it was very difficult. It was very time consuming. There was, you know, we were in the fortunate position to have a lot of these venture capitalists that were just, you know, coming after us, you know, and uh, and so it was very time consuming for me, and it still is. Like, you still, <laughs> you know, still have a lot of these inquiries that come in, and and, uh, and Nina and Julia, um, as both my assistants know know what that's that that has been like, but. But anyways, um, you know, we raised the capital um, because you know we 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 wanted to know you know we wanted to see if there were other opportunities for acquisitions, and we didn't want you know you know we we wanted to make sure that we had the the dry powder on the balance sheet to be able to to take advantage of those. Uh, we haven't made any acquisitions uh, to date. You know, we we've still built everything in house, but uh, but you know, getting that dry powder um, on there and. And also de-risking for us, for me and Coop, um, the founders. You know, we we did take, you know, a little bit of money off the table so that so that we could, you know, 
feel comfortable enough to really just go for it and and you know see ourselves in a place like this. Yeah, so this was seven years after you started the company. Right. How would you say your personal passion and desire and fire to keep that mission alive and see the vision through still like what was that like seven years in? Do you still have it? Did you still have it? Was it were you looking at getting an acquisition and just checking out completely? Where's your mind at? Uh, listen, I mean, you know, everybody at Boomtown can probably attest that I'm pretty damn passionate about what we do. <laughs> um, you know, you know, it. it I, I, I'm not going to say that it's always. You know, it's always like this. You know, you know, it's always that way. You know, it, it's it's a grind. You know, it's it's absolutely a grind. You have to be passionate. You have to be passionate about about a startup in order to succeed. You have to. Um, and, and you just, you, you gotta, you gotta be able to spend many, many hours, you know, you know, days, nights, weekends, whatever it takes to get it done. And, uh, and, you know, you know, I'd say that, you know, you know, just personally, you know, you know, when, you know, having kids like and wanting to be there, like there's this, there's this tear that you have between, you know, your family, um, and wanting to be there, and and uh, you know, for for every step of your kids, I got two, I have two boys. You know, they're three and six, and I want to be there for everything. You know, and uh, but I also want to be a good model for them. You know, for for the future, and and uh, you know, and and you know, cashing out. You know, is that going to be the right model for them? Like, daddy's just sitting around and and just hanging out and playing golf and fishing. You know, I don't, I don't think so. And so, so I guess you know. You know, I, I, you know, I'm not going to lie and say like, you know, every single day is, you know, gung ho and and this is, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is awesome. Like, you know, but, but, you know, for the most part, you know, 90% of the time, you know, the passion still exists just like it did the, the first day we started the company. Yeah, you talked a, a bit about being present with the family and prioritizing work versus your family life, which is obviously incredibly important to you. Um, Tell the story of your wedding day and talk about fast forwarding today how you value and balance the family life with the work life. Yeah. So, all right, so wedding, this is wedding weekend. So this is, uh, we're in Montgomery, Alabama, where Elizabeth's from. And, uh, and we have, you know, a bunch of friends, you know, coming into town and, and on the, the the eve of my wedding, I'm uh, I'm in a room and it's in a, there's an adjoining room and my brother's in that room. My brother's a, a broker. He's the only person that's using the Boomtown product this time, 2008. Uh, and and so I'm getting ready for the wedding. I'm getting you know getting ready for the rehearsal dinner and the, and the party that's gonna come after that. And you know I'm in the room and, and my brother walks in and he's like, who the hell are you talking to, man? And uh, and. And it was you know, Stan Bishop, who was our first, our first uh, customer to come on, our first paying customer. My brother was a customer, but he wasn't paying us anything. Uh, but, uh, but, and so my brother, who's who's a you know natural-born salesman using the product, and you know, you know, you know, couldn't get a better testimonial. He grabs the phone out of my hand while I'm talking to Stan, and he's like, he's like, listen, he's like. He's like, you know, you know, we've hired X number of agents. You know, we have, you know, blah 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 number of properties in escrow. This is the worst market that we've, you know, that we've ever been in. You know, and and I'm growing a business while everybody else's market share is just dropping through the floor. He 
He's like, you need to just freaking buy this product right now. And and then Stan was like, send me the paperwork. And I was like, that was easy. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. So I'd been talking to this guy for like four weeks and, and you know, talking about features and stuff like that. And, and that's all it took. And so that's when we realized the power of, yeah. of the network and you know, of, the, of, of our customers and testimonials and how powerful they are. Sure, so connect that to today. So from closing deals on your wedding yeah. day, Spending time with your wife and kids. How yeah. do you now think about the balance? Yeah, I, I think I think I've gotten a lot better uh, about this because I've been very intentional about it. You know, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, being able to take my kids to school is important for me. Being able to be at yeah you know, the soccer games and, and the baseball games and all that stuff. You know, little Greer's first baseball game was last night, and he hit he. You know, went up and whacked the ball three times. You know, three innings. Thank, thank goodness it was only three innings. Um, but, uh, but you know, those are the those are the types of experiences that I don't want to miss. And so, um, so it, you know, I guess in the earlier days, I'd say I wasn't as intentional about um, about that, and I felt like I just needed to just power through. But that's what great people can do for your organization is when you when you find someone and and you in your in your in your grinding all the time and you're working until these incredibly you know late hours at night and you're not being able to see your family as much as you want to it's probably a who problem uh, that you have and uh, and you know it's inevitable that you know you're gonna have to travel sometimes if you're if your business is national or international um, but you know but you know really my choice is to is to make sure that I have uh, the correct balance and and I feel like I am being as, as intentional about my calendar and my schedule with my family as much as I am about my business. Very good. All right, I'm gonna ask three quick questions. Hartwell, can you queue up Q&A in the meantime? We're using this new Q&A tool, so what you can do is start texting, or yeah, I think you text your question to this website, and we'll start to vote on it and get those queued up. Um, the three quick questions I have while he sets that up are to start, um, what keeps you up at night? What are you most scared of? Oh boy, yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say just you know being able to execute on the vision in general is is a big one. Um, just you know making sure that we have the right people to take our business to the next level, um, and uh, and and that you know and and that you know that we're you know that we're innovating faster, we're providing more value than our competition. You know, those are the general thoughts that go through my head, and then I'll go in, down into tangents. What was your last sleepless night? Last night. Because <laughs> uh, let me let me think about that. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, I, whenever I fall asleep on the sofa, I'll pick <laughs> back up. Like, like even if it's for five minutes, like then I'll then I'm like, damn it! Like I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be up for you know a few more hours. And so, um, you know, honestly, I can't remember exactly what what the uh, what the what the topic was, and it, and it kind of you know jumps around. Um, but you know, specific specific you know problems that you know our leadership team is trying to solve in the business um, you know um, you know I think you know you know I, I think about now I remember it now so we're uh, we're about to embark on hiring a new VP of marketing and so I knew that you know my COO and I were going to be speaking this morning about that and and we wanted to be methodical about how we you know, approach this, and, and we have you know, there's a book called Who, 
if you haven't read that, that's a really, really great book to make sure that you're that that you are 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 defining the characteristics of the role that you're looking to hire, um, and that's that's what we found has been a an issue or a problem with a lot of our hiring mistakes has been that we haven't really taken the time and energy to define exactly what we're looking for in someone. It's something simple, but it's you know the that book Who is a great book to read. Um, you know, I've been listening to uh, you know the ideal team player recently that talks about um, you know being you know hungry, humble, and smart. Um, you know, from an EQ perspective, it's a Patrick Lencioni book um, that's kind of a leadership fable. It's a great book. But anyways, I was just trying to think through exactly what characteristics. Like, do we want somebody from the industry? Do we want somebody? That has been in a SaaS business similar to ours, in a vertical, yeah. you know, type. Of, so, so those are the types of things that that you know that race through my head, uh, you know, not necessarily in a bad, negative way, but you know, I just, you know, Wheels my brain, turn. my brain always turns like that. Yeah. I hear you. So let's flip it. What are you most um, excited about with the future of Boomtown? Yeah, a lot of things. Um, you know. You know, the first thing that popped into my mind is the fact that we have, um, you know, we've we've collected all of this data about um, about consumer behavior and the and 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 how they interact with agents over the last, you know, over the last ten, you know, now almost ten years, um, and and you know now we're capturing more data about when they transact and tying that back to all that you know consumer behavior and. And now, you know, with cloud computing and, and, and big data and all these other buzzwords, artificial intelligence, you know, I'm really excited about the opportunities there. You know, I think that, uh, you know, our mission, you know, has always really been to, to make our customers more successful. And I think that with artificial intelligence, um, we have the opportunity to make, you know, our customers almost superhuman versions of themselves. So that's that's one area that I'm just incredibly excited about. Cool. Last question. Um, you are one of the hopefully many companies to base a tech company in Charleston and to call it HQ through the hyper growth phase. Why did you make that decision? Because it's Charleston. I mean, <laughs> I mean, plain and simple. You know, I mean, this what do you is, love about it? Uh, this is you know, I grew up in Somerville, and. Um, and you know, my great grandfather, you know, you know, left our family a, a house out in Sullivan's Island, and uh, and I just remember, in, you know, being in the back of the of the uh, of the station wagon driving through Mount Pleasant to the beach, and uh, and you know, spending you know time out there with family um, during the summer, and and you know, this place is just so unique and special, um, you know, from the standpoint of what's. What's available, um, you know, from you know, from the the nature and just the surrounding environment, just the waterways. Like I love being on the water, I love being on the boat, I love um, sharing that experience with my children. Um, you know, getting out on the beach, um, you know, catching fish, um, playing golf. I mean, there's there's really just there's there's nothing better. I don't play much golf anymore, but but uh, nice to have. Yeah, right. But uh, but you know, it's 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 the environment. It's the it's the culture. It's it's. It's, uh, you know, for example, this past week, you know, just bringing our customers to Charleston, uh, bringing them here, and, and the type of talent that you find here, and the, and the talent that's attractive to Charleston, uh, fits our culture. You know, it fits, it fits who we are. Because, you know, this is, you know, you know what is it, number one most hospitable city in the, in the country, it's, it's true. And, you know, our, our customers feel that, 
through you know, the, you know, the hires we make and the people that they talk to on the front lines every day, they are the people that, you know, that are, that are, you know, that are, you know, that are, you know, kind of projecting our culture to our customers. And I want that to be a reflection of, of, of what, you know, of the hospitable culture that is here in Charleston. Awesome. Um, all right, we got a lot of Q&A coming in. Hartwell, um, is it possible to pull up the screen where we can see the questions? Think about that. In the meantime, so we have this uh, little app where people can start typing in questions and people vote on them. So we'll start going from the top, um, what people want to know most, starting with, at what point while at Slant did you realize it was time to leave? Yeah, so, so um, I'd say that, you know, we had, a, we had a customer that was, you know, that just went gangbusters and, uh, and, and he had built a product for a specific industry. And, uh, and, and so I was, I was fascinated by that. And, and you know, I, I was talking to my co-founder about that and, and you know, I'll, 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 I'll give it to him. Like he is the one that really saw that we were, that we were not aligned on where we were going in the future. And so he's the one that actually brought it up and, and, uh, and said, hey, you know, it seems like you want to go a different direction. And I was like, I was like I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up. you're right. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, you know, that was, that was a conversation that was, that was, uh, that was brought on um, through, you know, by him. And, uh, and, you know, but it was, it was plain as day. You know, yeah. whenever, whenever it was all said and done, it was, it was really plain as day to understand that, you know, that, you know, that, that he was following his passion and my passion was different. Yeah, very good. Um, starters, for people that can't hear, that's my bad. I'm sorry. I, I decided no microphone. So if you can't hear me, that's my fault. Sorry about that. Um, next question. Typically. And we had one here the whole time. And we've had one here the whole time. Right Why here. don't you tell me you have a second pair of gloves? <laughs> um, all right. Typically, companies initially have to raise angels, Series A, et cetera. How did you make the jump to raise such a large initial round of funding? So, so mind you that we were a company of probably 115 employees when we raised capital. And, uh, and so we bootstrapped all the way to I don't know, maybe you know, 12, no, no, probably close to you know, 15 to 18 million dollars in revenue. So, um, so we, you know, you know, and, and to kind of answer the question of like, did you need you know, to raise seed capital? That's when we were actually paying ourselves our, our mortgage payments with, with our other second home equity line to pay it, which is a very dangerous thing. Don't do it if you have kids in the family. Uh, but, but that, you know that early phase. You know when when we got this company off the ground uh, and started, you know, started started actually selling this product in the market. Um, it became just very quickly evident that that it was something that the industry really needed. Like we just nailed product market fit, and so so that's when we realized that we really didn't necessarily need to raise any capital at that point in time. You have fifteen million dollars of revenue. It's easier to raise a bigger round of funding. Yeah, you're not doing a road show, they're coming <laughs> to you. All right, I'm gonna ask one more question from this app and then we'll get some people to raise their hand. So three more questions total. Um, question three, do you ever wrestle with the decision to be a white level product? Do you wish home buyers were aware of Boomtown powering their home search? 
be lying if I said no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. I, I think um, you know that it's a you know it's it's something that that you know that we the decision we haven't made yet. But um, I'd say that if it fits within our mission, at some point to make that decision, then we're not gonna we're not gonna totally leave it out off the table. Um, I think that. I think that you know that you can get a lot more leverage out of something like that, obviously. Um, so, so it's it's something that we haven't you know taken off the table, but uh, but you know our our customers uh, you know really you know value what we're doing today, and and so and that that's a that's a bigger that's a bigger type of initiative that we would have to you know invest pretty heavily into yeah. to make it work. Makes sense. All right, who wants to raise their hand and ask a question, ma'am? That's a great question. So, so when we started to try to figure out, like, how do we actually, how do we figure out what our values are? Um, you know, we're a company of 25 to 30 employees, and what we did is we, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to do something that was inclusive of everyone that was there because it was the collective, you know, it was the collective, uh, you know you know, um, team that made it special, right? And so what we did was we, we did something, it's an exercise called Mountains and Valleys, and we, we learned about it in, uh, in um, Tony Shea's book, uh, Delivering Happiness, I think is what it, what it was in. Uh, so anyway, um, you know, Zappos had an amazing culture, and, and basically what, it did, it, what you do is, is each, each one of our team members Went through and said, you know, what are what are the you know you know looking back at my life, what are the peaks and the valleys, what are the what are the um, the values that existed in my life at the at the peaks, and what were the ones that were non-existent in the valleys, and you know they just gave us the output of that, which was you know three to five values. Um, from that, we pulled them all together. We we hired a, a, a consultant to come in on a weekend and help us to actually bring all these things together and make a quick decision on on what they were. And so we got those, and then we kind of boomified them, as we say, um, in terms of you know what we what we felt. And we added a couple. We added create amazing experiences because that's what you know Cooper and I you know we were always you know arguing back and forth and we kind of called it, you know, steel sharpening steel to make something amazing. And it was worth those, you know, those, those fi that fighting and those, arg that ar those arguments because it was constructive. Um, and we moved forward and, and Frock had to be the tiebreaker in a lot of cases. Uh, but, but, you know, that, that's, that's really how we came to it is, is we, we tried to assess what was right uh, about or what what values existed in the people that we had in the company, and and that that's how we created um, the core values. Awesome, back there. So uh, earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that your transition from developer to CEO was a little rough. You had to pick up some new skills. So I was curious to know, actually, would you say that there are skills that you already had as a developer of a computer science background that actually did help you in becoming a CEO? Um. I don't know about that. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> um, no, I mean two totally different skill sets, right? Um, but 
but I, I think it I think it was um, I think it was drive and determination. Um, uh, it was you know it was it was the willingness to be humble, um, you know, and and and, uh, and you, know, you know make mistakes. You know, those those were the I guess the the qualities that I'd say were were you know were uh, were the things that helped me make that transition because it was a bumpy road. You know, it was uh, it was a it was a you know I'm not going to say it was just like a you know immediately overnight. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, willingness to um, you know pursue learning and growth and and uh, in, a, in in learning the skill sets that I needed to. to to find and, and really, what I've found is is you know a lot of the folks that we've that we've hired here, and I just pick up on a lot of things from the folks that that we brought in at a high level, and uh, and, and mentors and peers that that I can that I can pull from now. And so I wish I would have I wish I would have found more uh, you know more peer mentors that that had been through it earlier on. I wish I would have um, I wish I would have you know you know found advisors earlier on as well. Cool. All right. Last question. Right there. Yeah, it was mind numbing. <laughs> we had a word for it. We had a word for it. I mean, this guy, this guy experienced it. I mean, we we called it deeps, you know, because it was like demo after demo after demo, and like your just brain just goes to absolute mush. I mean, there's nothing more exhausting. There really isn't. And anyway, that yeah. <laughs> And you know, at some points we were doing like six of these a day, and then you know, spend the rest of the day writing code. So, um, so no, I mean, you know, I think I think what got me through as a as a as a salesman, I probably focused too much on features because I built them, and and uh, and and we designed them together. Um, but it was the passion, you know. They they heard the passion, and they were like, okay, you know, this guy is is super passionate about what he's doing. And uh, he's he's not gonna give up anytime soon. And this company's gonna, you know, and be around. CEO. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Another big one. All right. Let's everyone give a round. Of applause.